we've been doing a series on letting people see Jesus. And the last couple of talks that I did, um, I'll be honest with you, I really felt like they were crucial, crucial talks. They were just so important that I felt the Lord impress on me strongly this week to stop, to pause, to breathe in, and to reflect and try to consolidate and summarize what I've said in those first two talks, because I don't want to just race on and we forget it and we miss it. I want to just stop and think. There's a little word in the Psalms where it says selah, S-E-L-A-H. I don't know if you've ever read it when you're reading the Psalms. It's a wonderful psalm and then it stops and it just says selah. And then it goes on and it says something else. That word selah simply means stop and think. <laughs> Just stop and think for a bit. And I felt like the Lord just strongly impressed on me. Stop and think. And what I'm going to try and do today, we talked about, we've talked about two big issues in Christian life. Grace and sin. And I'm going to try and put them together in one talk today. Because it's a massive issue. It's important for us as Christians to understand how these things fit together. Very important. If we get it wrong, the consequences are large. Galatians 5, Paul writes to a church which started in grace and faith. In other words, God's gift to them, received by them, just simply saying, yes, thank you. That's grace and faith. Yes, That's how they started, and then somebody came in and said to them, but you need to do this, you need to obey this, have you done this, you should be guilty about this, have you repented enough, have you done, and they came under law, and he's at pains, he's, you read the language of Galatians, Paul is in pain about what's happened to them, he says, who cuts in on you, and stopped you from running a good race? And he says to them, if you try to be justified by the law, you've been alienated from Christ and you've fallen from grace. Friends, that is tragic. It's massive. It's not just, oh, well, I believe in grace, but I'll just add a bit of law and it'll be fine. And I'm sure God will just think it's okay. He says you're alienated from Christ if you get back into the law camp. But then there's the whole issue of sin. How does a Christian deal with sin? So I'm under grace, yes, I'm not under law. But then what about sin? Is it okay to just keep on sinning and sinning and sinning? Where's the balance? Are you getting this? How important it is. And I'm going to try. It's a difficult task to put it all together in one talk. But I'm going to try today to just give you a summary and put it together so that you can leave and we can move on with our series about Jesus' life. But you can say, okay... I've got the important points clear in my mind, if that's okay with you. Let me just say, if I say something, I'm going to try and be clear. Today, I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm trying to be clear. I'm trying to make us all on the same page with the same understanding so that we can move forward. If I'm not clear, let's have a secret signal. You just put your hands behind your head as if you're just yawning, and I'll stop, and and then I'll just kind of say, is there is anything you want to say? And you can say, that does not make sense. What? What are you saying? But what about this? But what? So let's, we just want to try and be clear today. Is that all right? So let's just practice the signal. Just, just <laughs> gently. Yeah, that's good. Okay, that'll work. If we all do it at the same time, I'll just give up and I'll just walk out. <laughs> it might happen that way. 
I've told you the story about a friend of mine. His first sermon ever he preached, and he decided to try a really complicated topic, how to explain the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the, in his, in his notes, he said, I'm going to use the illustration of an egg with a yolk and a white and, and, a, and a shell, and that makes three but one. And he was so nervous that he got up in front of the church, and he was like, and he just forgot everything he was going to say. He just said, the Holy Spirit is an egg, like that. <laughs> And everyone laughed, and he was so embarrassed, he just got off and walked out, and that was the end of his sermon. So I'm going to try and be clear and plain, and if we can work together, that'll be great. So, grace is the first point. Let me, I've, I've been trying to think of how to make it plain and simple. You know, the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world there is a difference. One, actually, there's two differences. Okay, I'm going to tell you the first difference, and then the second one is the important one. The first difference is that every other religion is linked to a national uh, tribal group or a, a group of, uh, of people of a certain race. Islam is linked to the Muslims, to the <laughs> Arabs, sorry. Islam is Arab culture made into a religion, and it's mainly in Arab lands. Hinduism is Indian, and it's Indian people are the Hindus. Buddhism is East Asian, mostly China, and it's, it, that's what it is. Judaism is the Jews. Christianity is the only religion that is everyone. Ever thought of that? Quite amazing. I mean, in this room, if I was to say, who's not from Jersey, just put your hands up. <laughs> We are from the far corners of the planet. If you look at a map, if you look up on YouTube, it's called something, uh, what's the site called? Uh, Maps of War. And they've got a, a thing that they show the spread of, of different religions around the world. And you just see all the different religions in little, little geographical spaces on the planet. And Christianity is everywhere. Every tribe, every nation, no one race or nationality has a monopoly on Christianity. It's for us all. That's the first difference. But now the important one. Christianity is different from every other religion because of this. Please hear me. Every religion, without exception, except Christianity, says you must earn your way back to God. Every one of them. Everyone without exception says you must earn your way back to God. You must do good or be exactly like this set of rules or say these words or wash behind your ear like this or whatever it is. But they all say you must do certain things to get back to God. Christianity is the only one that says you cannot do enough to get back to God. God comes and gives you a free gift of salvation. That is grace. And it is such an important issue. It is the bedrock, the foundation, the essence, the DNA of Christianity that if we lose it, we've lost Christianity. And many people say, yes, yes, I believe in grace, I believe in grace, but I must pray or God won't anoint me. 
I must attend church or I won't be blessed. I must give or God won't bless me. I must do this. I must repent. I must do that. I must do that. And we just start adding rules until we become like every other religion. We say we're living by grace, but in effect, we are living under law. And Galatians 5 verse 3 says, if you do that, you are alienated from Christ. You've fallen from grace. You know what's weird and kind of ironic is in culture, we say someone's fallen from grace when they've sinned. But actually, the, the real verse says the opposite. We've fallen from grace when we think we mustn't sin in order to stay close to God. Let me say that again, because I know some of you are itching to do this. <laughs> we say, oh, so-and-so minister of whatever in such a country, he's fallen from grace. Why? Oh, well, he stole some money. That is not what falling from grace is. The Bible says you fall from grace when you think you have to be good to stay close to Christ. Is that sinking in a bit? Grace says it's a free gift. You go to the supermarket and the person in front of you pays for all your groceries. You've got a full trolley of groceries, including a flat screen TV and a whatever else. And you get to the counter and they say, the person in front of you paid for it all. You say, what? Why? I don't know. They just did. That's grace. It's like a free thing. You, you cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. You cannot be good enough. It's, it's a gift. That is Christianity. And when we teach grace, just like Paul had people say to him, we have people say to us, well, does that mean I can just sin? And that is the right question. If we don't get that question when we preach grace, then we're not preaching grace properly. We have to preach it in such a way that it is such a free gift because it's true. It's completely um, undeserved. It doesn't depend at all on me being good, obeying, repenting, earning. It's a free gift and I just receive it by faith. I say, thank you, Dad. You get that? If we change, after we've received the free gift, and then, then we think, oh, but now I've been a Christian for a few months, now it's about how good I am, we've fallen away from grace. Clear? So what about sinning? <laughs> Does that mean we just keep on sinning? Does that mean that I can continue to live as I always lived? In sin, in immorality, in greed, in stealing, in all these different things. And then I get to the end of my life and I say, well, I, I received the grace. Is that true? Is that true? The answer is, the, the message of the Bible is very clear. If we receive this grace, it changes us on the inside. And we start to change. We start to sin less. We want to obey God. We want to do good. Our desires on the inside are changed. That's the message of Christianity. It's a free gift. We saved the, the reformers, uh, Martin Luther and um, Calvin and all these guys in the 1500s. They said, we're saved through grace by faith alone. But faith never remains alone. It re re results in works and actions and, and my life starts to change. I was driving 
on my little road where I live today. And they've got one of these speed cameras up with a little smiley face if you're going under the speed limit. You know the ones? And it's so nice. You're driving along and the face is smiling at you. And then you go one mile over the speed limit. He's got a frown. And then you go down and then he's happy again. And I just thought that's how many of us are living in our Christian life. We think God is happy with me when I'm good. And he's cross with me when I'm bad. And that is not the message of grace. Grace says God loves you because of what Jesus did on the cross, whether you sin or not. But grace will result in a change in your heart and you'll want to sin less. I'm going to take this now to the nth degree. Because what happens in the New Testament is there's a couple of verses which say that most of the New Testament says it's by grace, it's a free gift, it's a free gift. But then there's a couple which say there's a test you can do to see whether you really are a Christian. And it talks about certain sins. And it says, if anyone is born again, they will not continue in these sins. Now, what happens is we read those and some of us get confused and we think, oh, that means I must be good to be a Christian. No, no. The being good comes as a result of receiving the grace. It's not to earn it. Let me, let me put it another way. The gift is the, is the root under the ground, the root of the tree, and the fruit that grows on the top is good works and stopping sinning. But the root is a free gift that I just received by grace. And if I get confused and I think I must produce these fruits, then I've cut off the root and, I, and I'm, the tree is dead. I've got to receive the free gift and then the good works come as a result. But there's a test that the Bible gives to say, are you really saved? I'm going to read this test. I'm, re- I'm reluctant to read it. Because if I read it, <laughs> some of us are going to jump into legalism. I'm going to read the, the verse. There's a couple of places it says it in the Bible. I'm just going to read it once. And it says, don't be deceived. If, if a person continues to live in all of these sins, or any of these sins, then they are not a believer. In other words, they haven't received the root, the, the free gift. They haven't received this grace. But when I read it, some people think, right, now I know how to be a Christian. I must get rid of all these sins. And that's not what it's saying. It's saying receive the free gift, but... If you've still got all of these sins as a continual lifestyle in your life, what that means is you never really received the grace. Because if you had, it would have changed your heart. Okay, I'm trying to be as clear as I can. When I read this list of sins, I'm not saying you need to be good enough to get to heaven. Because you can't. And I'm not saying that if you get rid of all these sins, you're definitely going to heaven. Because that's not true. It's got to be grace, but if grace has come in, your life will change to the extent that you will not live in these sins continually anymore. You might fall every now and again, but it won't be a continual lifestyle like this. And why am I reading this? Because I think it's important. It's in the Bible, and it's important that we know that there is a test for me 
that I can see whether God is working in my life. Have these sins gone out of my life? When he gives us this, he says, you guys used to be like this. But you've been changed. You've been set free. You used to live in these sins, but now you don't anymore. Because the grace of God changes us and makes us not want to sin anymore. It's quite scary reading this, this passage, actually. But it's important that we hear it. Right. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 13. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexual offenders, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And then he says an interesting thing. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. What he's saying is I could live in all these sins and I would still be forgiven and under the grace of God because it's not being good that gets me saved, but it's not helpful. And this is a test to say, has God's grace really worked in my life? What's this saying? It's saying that if I'm living continually in any of these sins, if it's a part of, part of my life, a habitual way of life, then the grace of God hasn't had an effect in my life. Drunkards, revilers, sexually immoral, extortioners, thieves, and there's many others here. Why does he say this? He's saying, test yourself. Test yourself. You know, some of us have an overactive conscience and some of us have an underactive conscience. The people with an overactive conscience always think, I need to be good enough. I need to try hard. Oh no, have I fallen away from God? That's not who this verse is written to. This verse is written to the people who think, I'm saved because I put my hand up in a meeting once. But he's saying, but test your life. If you were really saved, these things wouldn't still be there as a part of your life. You may fall into them now and again, but if it's a a continual part of your life, that's not right. Let me just deal with a couple of issues here really quickly to try and help you. Lust. Jesus said, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. I just want to say plainly and publicly, I don't think this is talking about that. You know, we fall and we, we look and we're not sure when does it stop from being just a casual look to when does it be, oh, I'm looking in order to lust, I don't know. This, I believe, is talking about the action. What about people who have tendencies to sin? People who have a tendency to alcoholism because of their whatever, their genes or their family background, or a tendency to, I mean, let's take it to the extreme, psychopathic murderers, people who have this thing in them that makes them want to do bad, or, or sexual perversions or sexual differences. What about if people have this desire in them? Does that mean they've, they're one of this list? No, no. We've all got tendencies and desires in us, but it's the acting out as a continual habitual process. If I'm continually drunk... If I'm continually sexually immoral, if I'm continually doing these things, then I'm on this list and I need to say, has God's grace changed me? You know, there's people who are born with um, things in them that are they're not of God. They're not good. 
I feel sorry for them. I've got some of them in my own life. But that doesn't mean that, oh, well, I must just sin. (laughs) Just because I have a desire in me doesn't mean that I must just go out and fulfill it. And it doesn't mean that I must act out on this list. Let me just, again, be as plain as I can. Masturbation, I don't believe, is on this list. It's a topic that people feel so guilty about. Young men, just, I mean, they think they've fallen away from the Lord. And it's not mentioned in the Bible. It's just not there. If it was such a bad sin, you would think it would be in the Bible. And it's not. There's one veiled reference to it where Jesus said, if you look with your eye and your right hand and your eye cause you to sin, then cut them off and plug them out. He might be talking about that. But that's linked with the... With the, the act of looking with the eye, it's, it's, a, it's a lustful thing. Masturbation is just not mentioned in the Bible as a sin, ever. If it was a bad sin, it would be mentioned at least once. Now, lust is a sin, and being enslaved by something is a sin. But guys, I just think we need to get the guilt off our backs here. This is a list of serious sins that if I'm still living in it, if I'm practicing it outwardly and openly, continually, without any change or improvement, there's a good chance God's grace has not taken root in my heart. The next question that comes up is, can a person fall away? If it's all about grace, if it's all about just receiving a free gift, can I fall away and lose my salvation? Again, the Bible is clear. There are dozens of references in the New Testament to people losing their salvation or having to endure to keep their salvation. There are so many references. Let me just read one of them. Um, Hebrews chapter 6. It says, It's impossible for those who were once enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. In other words, it is possible for me to lose my salvation. Now, how does that fit together? If it's all by grace, if it's just a free gift, if it's not by my works, if it's not by being good, how can I lose it? Please listen carefully. I'm going to be as, try and be as plain as I can. You don't gain your salvation by being good, so you can't lose your salvation by being bad. Please get that. You didn't gain your salvation by being good, So you can't lose it by being bad. You gained it by believing, so you lose it by stopping believing. Is that clear? Very important. He says, it's impossible for these people who've fallen away to be brought back to repentance. He doesn't say forgiveness. He says repentance. In other words, in their hearts, they don't want God anymore. They've gone so far... Their hearts have become so hardened by sin, they're so dulled and deadened by sin, that eventually they say, Ah, I don't even want God anymore. I don't want to to believe. I'm divorcing God. And that's a hard place to get to. Jesus says, I will never let anyone take you out of my hand. He's working so hard to keep you in his hand, 
that nothing and no one can steal you out, but you, by your own turning away from God, you can jump out. But it's hard because he's gripping you. (laughs) In fact, you're a part of his hand. You're one of the fingers. It's so hard to get out, but it can happen. You can rest in the Lord. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3 talks about people who build on a foundation of Christ and then just put wood, hay, and stubble. They never do any good works their whole life. He says they'll get into heaven as if through fire. Whereas others who did a whole lot of good stuff will get in with with gold, silver, and precious stones. You can do nothing for your whole life and just be a blob of a Christian and you'll get there. It's only if you get to the point where you say, God, I divorce you. I want nothing more to do with you. I'm turning away. And that's hard to get to because he's gripping you with his hand and you are his hand. It's very hard to get there, but it can happen. So why do I avoid sin? Let me just say this. Simply and quickly, the reason I avoid sin is not to earn God's favor. It's not to earn God's anointing. It's not so that he's going to answer my prayers. It's not so that he doesn't kill one of my children. It's not so that he's a smiley face instead of a grumpy face. The reason I avoid sin is because sin is bad for me. It harms me. Secondly, Sin hardens my heart to God so that I'm not close to, I'm not listening to him anymore. It's not him that's turned from me. It's me that's hardened my heart so I'm not listening to him anymore. And thirdly, the reason I avoid sin is because when I sin, the Bible says, Ephesians 4.26, that I give the devil a foothold in my life. It's not that God's cross with me. He's smiling at me. But the devil has a foothold to do stuff in my life and to mess up my life. God loves me. He's smiling. Remember the prodigal son who'd lived with the pigs and thrown away all of his dad's money and rebelled against his dad? The father's running with open arms. God loves me. My sin is not going to make God stop smiling. But my sin will hurt me, and eventually I might become so hard-hearted that I turn away from God. Right, I'm going to stop there for that point because it's something we could go on and on with. Let me just summarize. Please get this. You're saved by grace alone, but grace will start to change you and make you stop sinning. If you look back over a year, two years, three years, and there's been no change, and you're still sinning as much as you ever did, you need to say, God, have I really received your grace? Have I really understood? Have I really accepted your grace? Got it. Right, the second one was, how do I be free? I've had people come to me and say, I'm a slave to sin. I can't get out of sin. I don't know what to do. And we spoke about it last time. And I just want to summarize it with an illustration about an airplane. I was sitting on the runway of an airport in a, in a tiny little airplane, and it had a propeller on the front. And I remember the thought occurred to me, it struck me, I'm sitting in a metal thing that weighs a lot. It's just a big, heavy, mechanical lump of metal. How is this thing going to get in the air? How? Gravity is so strong. Gravity is unrelenting. Gravity can never be broken. How is this thing going to get in the air? 
And then the little front propeller, this, this piece of metal on the front of the plane, started turning. And weirdly enough, because of the shape of the blades of the propeller on the front, it started pushing air backwards. And we started moving forwards. And I thought, chill. I mean, I knew all this, but I was, it was like the Holy Spirit was teaching me a lesson. And I saw this happening. And then the angle of the wings was such that the air started pushing upwards, back from the propeller, upwards under the wings. And we took off. We lifted off the ground. Friends, in your flesh, Romans 7 and 8 says, there is no good thing. Your flesh has been trained to sin. If you like, it's like gravity pulling you down. But Romans 8 verse 2 says, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Let me put it another way. The law of lift has set me free from the law of gravity. This is so important to get. Because if we slip out of grace, we say the way that I'm going to stop sinning is I'm going to overcome gravity by my own efforts. I'm going to be good. I'm going to try hard. I'm going to discipline my flesh. I'm going to stop sinning, stop sinning, stop sinning. And that's like a heavy metal body saying, I'm going to be so strong and heavy that I'm going to overcome the gravity that's pulling me down. It's just impossible. You need another law that will overcome that first law. And it's the law of the spirit of life. You see, the problem we have is we think, if I'm going to get over these sins, then gravity will no longer have a pull on me. Gravity still will always have a pull on you. That sin and flesh, it'll be with us till the day we die, but you don't get free by getting it out of your life. You get free by repenting. Putting in a new thing, the law of life that overcomes the law of sin and death. Have you ever been singing a song and you just can't get it out of your head? <laughs> you hear a song first thing in the morning, under my umbrella, 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 and the whole day this thing is just going around in your mind and it's terrible. And you're trying to think of this song. You know, the only way you get it out is not by focusing on the song, saying, you song, you will get out of my... The more you focus on it, the worse it gets. It like The volume turns up in your head. The way you get rid of it is you put another song in there. You can't get a thought out of your mind by focusing on the thought. You get it out by putting another thought in. You don't get rid of sin by focusing on the sin. You're trying to use your flesh to beat your flesh. You can't. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? You're trying to use flesh to beat flesh. Flesh can't beat flesh. Heavy metal airplanes cannot beat gravity. Only another law comes in and takes you off. You have to fill your mind and your heart with something else. The thought that God's plan, God's way, God's power, God's life, living for God, living with God, is so much better than the sin that's tempting me. You see the sin and it's calling to you. You see something and it's saying, look at me, look at this picture that's not good. Look, 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 lust, lust, lust. 
And you can focus on it and say, I will not, I must not. That's a bad thought. I'm a bad person. I've got bad in me. Or you can say, that's real. That's there. That's the law of gravity. But I've got something better. There's something better for me, and that's living for God. Look at the power I have in God's life. Look at the freedom. Look at the love. Look at the joy. Look at the excitement, the fulfillment of living for God. That is tempting, yes. I would like to look at that picture of a naked person. That's great. It is tempting. It's real. It's a real temptation. It will never leave you. You always want to look at that, but you need to replace it with something you want even more. (laughs) And that's God's will. And I look at that and I say, yeah, it's tempting, but I've got something even better that I want. And that's to love and serve God. I want to be close to the Lord. I want to live for him. I want to be walking in his plans and his ways with my heart, not hard, but open and soft and tender before him. And in fellowship, I just want to be with the Lord. It's not by saying that's bad and I'm going to suppress it. It's by saying I choose something better. That is freedom. And that's living by grace. (laughs) Friends, I tried an ambitious thing today. I really did. I tried to put it all in one. Usually we don't do that. Usually we just talk about grace or we just talk about sin. I'm trying to put it all together. It's so important that we get this. It's so important that we get it. Do you feel like you have to earn God's favor? Do you feel like God's cross with you when you sin? Do you feel like you're a bad person? You're not. Gravity affects all of us. Paul in Romans 7, he says, Oh, the thing that I want to do, I can't do, and I find the sin in, my, in me that's making me do this other thing. Who will save me from this wretched body of death? And then he says, Thanks be to God, the law of the spirit of life set me free. You're not bad because you're tempted. You're not even bad because you sin. You're just being silly and you're just affecting yourself. God still loves you. He still smiles at you. But there's something better. Grace is the thing that makes us different from every other religion in the world. It's grace and it's got to be grace all the way through. Not just when you get saved, but throughout your whole Christian life. I just want to say to you that you might feel just bound by gravity you might just feel i'm useless i can never live this christian life the answer is fill your mind and your heart with the word of god meditate on god's word every day take a portion of scripture a little bit one or two verses think about it memorize it put it in your head dream about it imagine it let it affect your emotions your mind your will think about god's word and what will happen is when the temptation comes you don't have to say Bad, bad temptation. You say, that's fine, but i got something better. And it will enable you to be free. And even if you do sin, God's face doesn't go to a frowny face. He's still smiling on you. Let's pray together.